Well, in First Timothy, Paul is not simply giving good advice. He's telling us what life is to be like and what he calls the household of faith, the church of the living God. He's telling us how all local churches ought to pattern their ministries. Last week when we looked at verses 6 through 10, Paul began a theme in verse 6, which I think if I remember, I told you continues all the way through to verse 16, and that theme is along the lines, you will be a good servant if. You'll be a good servant, Timothy. You'll be a good servant, church members, if. We said last week that Paul's words here in chapter 4 directed to Timothy personally, And once again in our text today, Paul has more words, very personal words for Timothy, the overseer, the the pastor of the church there at Ephesus. And just as I said last week, it would be uh, very tempting for us to say, well, Paul is speaking to the pastor and what this says doesn't have anything to do with me today. And just as I said last week, if you take that position, you would be wrong. So... Get rid of that thought. Put it out of your mind. So, how should you listen to the sermon today? First, remember that the word Paul uses in verse 6, that we looked at last week when speaking to Timothy, is the word servant. Yes, Timothy's the, the minister, he's the pastor, but he's also a servant. All of God's people are servants. The principle given to Timothy here is applicable to all of us who would name the name of Christ because we are servants. What Paul says to Timothy is not only applicable to him, but I said everyone who professes Christ, who professes Jesus as Savior, because all who do so are servants. You're servants of Christ. You're servants of the gospel. So every Christian here should seek to have the qualities that Paul is giving to Timothy in verses 6 through 16. All of us should pursue these things. Why and how should you listen today? There are going to be certain things that are going to be central to the ministry of the church that Paul will tell Timothy here. As a Christian, you should long for the local church, you should long for us, Redbud Baptist Church, to be like Paul says we ought to be based on this passage. We should have a longing that this is who we are and we're pursuing it. You as a believer can learn much about what you are to be and do from this passage today. Why? Because in the passage, Paul tells Timothy, you are to do this in order to do, to be what? Look at verse 12. An example to believers. Here's what you need to understand. And listen to me carefully. If the pastors are to do certain things in order to be an example to you, what are you supposed to do? You are to follow His example in that He follows Christ. And thus become an example yourself. So even the words spoken to Timothy the pastor here, they are applicable to every Christian. Follow the example of your leaders in that they follow Christ. And you're following them so you are what? Following their example, you're going to do as they do as they follow Christ. Therefore, your life in turn is going to be an example to other people. So you see on your handout the main idea there. Being a good servant, that's continuing from what we talked about last week. Being a good servant is about being a faithful example. Being a good servant 
It's about being a faithful example. What's the logic of that? You can be a bad servant because you're not a good example. Being a good servant is about being a faithful example. Look at verse 12. The outline verse 12, and if you'll notice, there's so many points today because there's a command in every one of these verses. There's an imperative going on here. A faithful servant speaks with authority and teaches the truth. Notice what he tells Timothy there. Command and teach these things. That word command is a military word. It refers to an order passed down a chain of command. The words that's used here to speak of the orders that are given by a superior officer to, to lower ranking officers, right? There's a chain of command. Here's God's command and it, it flows. It goes down. Paul is saying to Timothy that his proclamation, his preaching of God's Word needs to be authoritative. The Word of God is commanding. You can't be a people pleaser and preach God's truth. That will not happen. You, you, you can't do that. Timothy, you can't be a, a yes man. You can't be a people pleaser and preach with authority the Word of God. The Bible isn't God's handbook of helpful hints for happy living. If that's what you think the Bible is, you are sadly mistaken. It gives us God's sure truth, His commandments for life. It confronts sin. It confronts selfishness. God's spokesman, God's servant can't beat around the bush. He has to be authoritative and command the Word of God. And now, as I say that, I'm well aware that this is countercultural in our day to talk like this. Pastors and teachers are being told that the pattern of ministry in the Christian church needs to be changed because people don't like to be preached at. They don't like a sermon. They'd rather just have a conversation. They'd just like for you to give them advice. They're more into the idea of therapy than they are a sermon from God's Word. That's, what people, that's what's being told to pastors today. Pastors are being told the way to go about doing church needs to change because people don't like that. Well, i got some news for you. People have never liked it. And it's not going to change. There's never been a time when people like to have their hearts convicted by the Word of God. They've never liked that. Listen to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1-4. through 4. Paul tells Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God... That always grips me. Timothy, I'm telling you, and by the way, I'm doing so in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in kingdom, preach the Word, Timothy. Be ready in season, out of season. That means when people like it and when they don't like it, preach it. Reprove. Listen to these words. This is countercultural, right? Reprove, rebuke, exhort but do so with complete patience and teaching. You know how hard it is to preach the Word of God and be patient with people. He says, be patient, Timothy. You do this, Timothy, and listen to what he says, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to truth and wander off into myths. So Timothy, if you don't want them to do that, then you better calm think. Is that what Paul's telling no. Command to teach these things, Timothy. Command to teach these things. In other words, in your preaching, be authoritative. And by the way, you're not speaking for yourself, Timothy. You're speaking for God. 
You're not sharing your opinions. You're not speaking about your own ideas about life. You're speaking God's Word. So, Timothy, be authoritative about it. Christian teaching has in view the transformation of life. That's the purpose of preaching. It's to transform life. And so it's got to be authoritative, right? Command, Timothy. Preach God's Word with, with authority because God's behind this. This is His Word. This is the example, Timothy, you are to give. You'll be a good servant you, if you are a faithful example to the people of proclaiming the Word of God. So, you sitting in the pew, what, what do you do with this? I knew, preacher, you said he's, he's talking to Timothy, so it doesn't really mean anything to me. This is Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, telling you what God wants in ministry. And as Christians, as servants, as good servants of Jesus, you ought to want to sit under the authoritative preaching of God's Word. That should be what you want as a good servant. That should be what we expect to hear when we come to gather for worship. Is God's Word being preached authoritatively, graciously, with love, but yet with courage and conviction, and not compromising God's Word. If you will there, look at verse 13. He continues, A faithful servant practices what he preaches. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, conduct, in love, in faith, and purity. Paul tells Timothy, Prove your role as a as an overseer, as a pastor, prove your role by your life, Timothy. You want to preach authoritatively? Yes, but guess what? Your life's got to match up with that. Timothy was young. For Timothy, there were older and more experienced people in the congregation. And those folks might have been saying, boy, he's young, ain't he? Paul says to Timothy, you show that you have every business of being a minister of the Word of God by the way you live. You practice what you preach, Timothy. That will gain the respect of those people who look at you as a dumb, young preacher. Who look at you and say, what does he know? They'll watch your life. Or maybe the preacher isn't young. Maybe he's kind of old. He's got kind of gray hair. He's not very tall. He's about as wide as he is tall. And so, the principle is still the same. There might be those who question his authority and dismiss the authority of the preaching of the Word, but the principle is still the same. Show that you have every business of being a minister of the Word of God by the way you live. You practice what you preach. And he's going to give some things here. Notice first, be an example in your speech. Again, this is principles that we apply as... People who are not pastors, we apply these to our lives. First, be an example in speech. This isn't speech from preaching or teaching. This is day-to-day speech. It's the way you talk, the respectful way that you talk to people, and the serious way that you talk to people, and the appropriate way you talk to people. You show with your language that you are a minister of the gospel. You're authoritative in conversations with people about the truth, but there's a, there's a way that that's done. A godly person, chapter 4, verse 7, will, will, will use words to build up others and show them grace. 
Words that encourage, words that show appreciation, words that show gratefulness and understanding, sympathy, truth, caring correction and warning and helpful counsel. That's to be your example in speech. Second, there's to be an example in conduct. (coughs) Write down 24-7. Timothy, with your life outside of the pulpit, it's your life outside of Sunday morning, the rest of the week, that you will show what your manner of what manner of life that you're called to be as a servant in the congregation. This is your behavior which should testify to your commitment to Jesus. Your example and conduct, not just on Sunday mornings, but 24-7. After you leave here until the following Sunday, your life is to be an example. How you live your life is to be an example in your, your conduct, life outside of Sunday morning. Third is to be an example in love. You show love in the way that you serve others. That's, the way, that's what this is talking about. You love others the way you serve them. You love in that you put their interests above your own. That you serve them at the, your own expense. You demonstrate in the way that you love, that you are a good servant of Jesus. And love, most often in the Bible, is referring to how we serve other people. Fourth, he says, be an example in faith. Uh, this could point to faithfulness or, or, or reliability. Or it could point to the faith we are to have toward God. We call ourselves believers and yet all too often we're not believing believers. We call ourselves believers and yet too often we're not believing believers. We aren't expecting God to work. We aren't trusting God with our problems. Being an example in faith is when we lean upon God in our trials and we prove Him to be faithful. You want to prove to somebody that God's real. When you're in the fire, that's when people are going to watch your lives. When you're going through a trial, when you're going through a suffering, people who hear you say that you know Jesus, that's when they're going to watch your life. And believe it or not, that's when you're going to get the greatest testimony of the hope that's found in the gospel to somebody. Next, he says, be an example in purity. <clears throat> this has uh, not only to do with pure conduct, but pure intentions as well. This means moral purity. Not just outwardly, but inwardly. Okay? A lot of times we can, we can find this to what's on the outside. Remember what Jesus said about the Pharisees? You look pretty good on the inside, but you need to take care of the inside. What do you call them? Whitewashed tombs? It's not just on the outside, it's what's on the inside. Sexual immorality always begins in the mind. Walking with Jesus means, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Take every thought captive. As soon as a wrong thought pops into your mind, you confess it. And you turn from it. And some of us might go, well, that might be all I do all day long. The Bible didn't say, do it on Sunday and then the rest of the time it's okay. Take every thought captive. When something 
when something pops in your mind, and by the way, you know when it's wrong because the Holy Spirit says that, that's not right. And you confess that. And you take that thought captive. Romans chapter 13, verse 14 says to put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lust. Don't give the flesh an opportunity. And I think we know what that means, right? We know when we sit down sometimes and we turn the TV on, we know that there might be a show we're going to watch that might be going, we might, that's not good for my purity, right? We know that that is going to do that. We know that if we go this way or we go that way, that we're going to be subject to an opportunity to sin. We need to not make an opportunity. He says, Timothy, you be an example. Timothy, Timothy's preaching, his authoritative preaching must be preceded by a life that displays the fruits of God's Word. He's to practice what he preaches. You profess Christ as a, as a follower of Jesus, then you need to practice that preaching. All true Christian profession shows itself in how we live, right? It always comes out in how we live. Not just in what we do on Sunday morning or what we post on Facebook, but how we live. You can throw stuff up on Facebook all day long. But if your life is not reflecting that, a good servant of Jesus is an example. Can you follow that person and be like Jesus? That's a good question to ask. Can I follow this person and be like Jesus? Can I follow that person be like Jesus. Remember what Paul said? Follow me. That's a pretty bold statement to make, right? Follow me. But you know what Paul says after that? Follow me and that, that I follow Jesus. So what's Paul saying? If I'm following Jesus and I'm lining up with God's Word, then you follow me. But if I'm not, can you follow that person and be like Jesus? So here's the application. We the church ought to be examples to one another in these five areas. Every Christian ought to be an example to other Christians in these five areas. And here's how you can apply. You pray that the Lord would grow you in these five ways. God, help me grow in these things. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ here at Redbud that they would grow in these areas. And when they do, you know what happens? They become an encouragement to you, right? Pray that we together as a church would be a witness to the world that God has done a work in our lives. Now I don't want you to look, but you know who's sitting beside you or in front of you right now. Maybe you just write down their name and this week you pray for them these five things after you pray them for yourself. Pray that God would work these things into the lives of His people here. Next. A faithful servant's ministry is focused on the Word of God. A faithful servant's ministry is based on the Word of God. Or focus, whichever word you prefer. Until I come, notice what he tells Timothy, devote yourself, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Paul says to Timothy, and he's saying to all the church, make the Bible the foundation, the substance, the center of ministry. 
if the Bible goes away, you don't have a ministry. You're not going to advance the gospel. Timothy, be a good servant. Be a faithful servant to God's people by the means God has given to you. And that goes for all the church. You want to be faithful in being the church, then you base everything on the Word of God. Make the focus of your ministry, he says, Timothy, read the Word. Preach the Word. The Bible must be read publicly in the gathering of the church. To fail to do so is a contradiction of the Bible's instruction for what we're supposed to do when we gather. If Scripture is not read, if no Scripture is read, this is what I'm saying, if no Scripture is read and then the preacher preaches, he'll begin, we'll begin to associate the preacher's message with who? Him. So we have to read publicly the Word of God, and we, and we do that. That's, that's why during the worship gathering we always read the Word of God by itself. We do that in order that we may recognize that the Bible is the final source and rule of life and everything that the preacher says must be in line with God's Word. Paul says in verse 13, Devote yourself. Give your constant attention to the reading of the Scripture, the Bible. Reading also here implies that more than just a public reading of the Scripture, it implies the idea of explaining it and teaching it. Devote your yourself to the whole process of teaching the Word of God. Some people call it exposition. And by exposition, I mean giving the details, the meaning of a particular Bible passage. It involves explaining what the Bible means based on what it says. It's a careful drawing out of the correct meaning of the passage. Devote yourself to that, Timothy. It implies taking time to thoroughly prepare the Sunday morning sermon. It's not a matter of standing up and sharing some things off the top of your head, things that occurred to you Saturday night or Sunday morning, but it's devoting yourself to it, Timothy. By the way, that applies to all of us, and particularly those of us in the church who are in leadership roles as teachers. We devote ourselves to studying and coming and teaching. We don't come in and shoot from the hill or have a Saturday night special. We just kind of throw together. Devoting represents an awareness that the book from which we teach is the Word of the living God. It's not a book review written by men, thus it requires careful, prolonged handling and discipline in teaching it to others. Notice also in verse 13, Devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. In faithful Bible preaching or teaching, there are always three things. There are always three things. There's the explanation of the Bible so that you can understand it. Second, there's the application of the Bible so that you'll understand how. How does this connect to my life? What should I do? And then there's the exhortation. There's the call to respond and do that. And so that's what Paul's telling Timothy. Teaching here could be where the pastor really personally and steadily and individually applies the Word to the lives of God's people. You know, a lot of times when I'm preaching, I, I ask questions, right? The purpose of me asking those questions is to make you think about what's being said. I ask you those questions as a means of application. I ask you that question so you'll ask yourself that question and thus help you apply that to your life. 
we, the preacher, the congregation, we're to give ourselves completely to the giving out of the Word of God. There's to be a persistent teaching of the Word. A church where those things are being squeezed out of the worship gathering will eventually become a dead church. No matter how many people are there, or how large it may grow, when the Word of God is squeezed out, the worship of God goes out, and you can be sure that there's trouble on the way. Paul's telling Timothy, stick to the Word, Timothy. Next, a faithful servant does not neglect his or her, you will, spiritual gift. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. I read this and you say, okay, he's giving Timothy a command, but apparently Timothy may have been neglecting his ministry here. The way this is written in the original language, it could be said, stop neglecting the ministry. That's what he's saying to Timothy. Maybe the pressure of ministry was causing Timothy to wane a little bit or maybe shut down. Paul tells Timothy to stop neglecting his gift. Timothy, you're just too young. You have no idea what you're talking about. The gift could refer to the, the talents that were needed for being in pastoral ministry, especially the tasks that were mentioned in verse 13, reading, preaching, and teaching. Timothy, the church, Timothy, the church is the pillar and the buttress of truth. You can't neglect to feed God's people the truth. Paul says the gift was given notice here by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Paul says this was given to you by prophecy. <clears throat> by prophecy, I don't think Paul means the church that the actual gift was given through a, through a prophecy. Because we know that gifts are given by who? The Holy Spirit. By prophecy, it means in the sense of publicly or officially being granted that role Officially within the church. Notice it says that the council of elders laid their hands on you. Uh, most of us been in church any at all. We know what that's talking about, right? We ordain someone. We, we do what? We lay hands on them. I think that's what Paul's speaking about here in a sense. That the ordination, the church elders, the pastors, the overseers got around him and they laid their hands on Timothy. And they confirmed him. They affirmed. Now, what were they affirming, you think? Go all the way back to chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Paul gave us the qualifications, did he not? The church had especially, especially its leaders, other pastors identified, and they designated Timothy as a person God had called. A person that chapter 3, verse 1 says, aspired, and he desired that role. Timothy was called by the Holy Spirit through the desire of his heart, and the wisdom of the church. Don't miss that. Anyone called to ministry, it should be a desire of their heart, but there also should be an affirming and wisdom from the church saying, yes, we see this in this person's life. We see him qualified to do these things. And Paul's telling Timothy, stop neglecting. Stop neglecting the gift. That applies to all of us. All believers are given at least one spiritual gift. Remember that? We talked about that, right? Every one of you who profess Christ, you have at least one, listen, spiritual gift. Not one gift, but one spiritual gift. 
And listen, you're expected to use it. First and foremost is to be used in the local church. In your local church. God gave you that gift as a member of the local church to be used in that local church. Maybe you justify your lack of involvement in the church by thinking, I'm not gifted in any way. I'm not gifted in any way. If you're a Christian, how many gifts do you have? At least one. You remember in Matthew chapter 25, uh, the parable of the talents? Anybody remember that? God distributed some talents, one, five, and ten, and told them to make him more money. Is essentially what he said. And the word talent there, listen, is not a talent, a gift. The word talents referring to the value or worth of what was given to them. So one got what? One, five, and then ten. That's what the talents referring to. Some got more things of more value. And what did the guy that had one thing of value do with it? He buried it, right? What happened when the master showed up? Ooh. He didn't use it to further the master's interest. You see, Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God, has given all you as believers one gift. And He's expecting you to use that to do what? To advance what? His mission in this world. If you know Jesus is Savior, you're called to serve Him in some capacity. And some of us are not involved in any kind of ministry for the Lord at all. You need to think about that. God give you a gift, and if you're not using it, you're not fulfilling His purposes, His interests of advancing the kingdom. Verse 15, a faithful servant... Excuse me. A faithful servant is immersed in gospel ministry. I gave you the wrong thing there. Now, what's on your handout? Life and teaching. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Practice these things. Paul's saying you must make a commitment to fulfill the ministry God's given you. Specifically for Timothy, this meant being absorbed in the gospel business of teaching, right doctrine, faithful living. Be absorbed with these things. Be engrossed with them. That word practice, some of you have it translated, it says meditate or immerse. Together these have the idea that ministry... It's all-consuming. He's either doing ministry or he's planning to do ministry. That's what Paul says there. He's either teaching the Word of God or he's getting ready to teach the Word. That's all of life. Nothing less, nothing more. You're to be immersed in these things, Timothy. Why? So that all may see your progress. So that all may see your progress. People should be able to see that because you've been in the Word and under the Word yourself that you're growing. And that because you care about holiness of life, you're growing in godliness. People should be able to see that. Some of you 
And I say, when I say you, I'm talking about Christians are saying this, this, this doesn't apply to me. Yes, it does. It does apply to you. I'm, I'm telling you why it applies to you. It applies to you, Christian, because you're to be what you should be in order that others can see what they should be. Notice what he says there. That they may see your, what? Progress. You're, 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 you're growing, Timothy. Here's the application. What Paul calls Timothy to is an example for all of us. There ought to be progress made in our growth in the Christian life. There should be maturity. We should be growing in grace so that others can follow. Let me say that again. There should be maturity. We should be growing in grace so that others can follow. And here's the question. Should other Christians follow you? That's a big question to ask. Right? Should, should other Christians follow me? Let me take this down a little bit um, to another level here. Should the children in our church follow you? Should the young people in our church follow you? I'm asking that of myself, and that's a question we need to... Should the young people, should those who are running around our church, who are yet to profess Christ, should they be following you? Should they follow you? I think I made a mistake in the handout there. Uh, the, the fifth point should be a faithful servant is immersed in gospel ministry. And then the last point, verse 16, a faithful servant pays attention to his life and his teaching. A faithful servant pays attention to his life and his teaching. He says lastly to Timothy, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. Keep a close watch on yourself. That refers to your walk, your life, and on the teaching, your work. Keep a close watch on your walk and your work, Timothy. A faithful servant should keep watch over his life, his character, and his conduct. And he's to keep watch over his teaching. The teaching of other people. Notice what he tells Timothy. Persist in this. Persistence. We understand what that means, right? Keep after it. Don't give up. Keep a close watch on yourself, Timothy, and on the teaching. Persist in this. And notice again, here's, there's another reason given. For by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Timothy's persistence and personal godliness and faithful teaching in God's Word will preserve both him and the congregation from spiritual harm. It'll keep him and it'll keep his people from spiritually being distorted. The great need of people today is to know more of God. To know more teaching, to know more doctrine. And I know that word just causes us fits, right? When the preacher says doctrine, we kind of get... Doctrine makes our head hurt, right? That word's hard. But I told you last week, doctrine is just the truth of what the Bible says. That's what we need to know. We need to know more of God. To know more teaching. Now here's the question I have for you. Learning more. Does everybody understand that? Are you with me? 
Learning more about God. Here's the question. Will you love Jesus more or less if you learn more about Him? Well, you're going, well, that's, a, that's obvious, right? Are you going to love Jesus more or less if you learn more about Him? Well, the logic is, yes, we're going to love Him more if we learn more about Him. So why would we not want to learn more about Him? Second, the verse also refers to salvation in the, in, in the gospel sense of the words. In other words, verse 16 says that pastors, ministers of the gospel, as well as regular Christians, have a crucial role in the salvation of sinners. For by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Salvation from sin comes only by faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus. But faith comes by hearing of the Word of God. And that hearing comes by the preaching of the Gospel. Hearers, in verse 16, are saved by the careful proclamation of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Sound teaching and godly living can mean the difference between life and death. They play a vital role in salvation. Now, by saying such, it doesn't detract in any way from the grace that God gives in the gospel. Okay? Here's what I want to say. Souls, lost people, perish from the lack of sound, godly lives and sound biblical teaching. Lost people in our community will be influenced by the way you, Christian, live. You know that's true, right? You ever talk to someone and invite them to come to church? And they say, why would I want to come down there? I know so-and-so, and I live just as good as they do. You ever had somebody say that to you? Yeah. People die and go to hell because they don't trust Jesus. But we don't need to help them get there. We need to watch our life. Keep watch over ourselves and our teaching. Paul has these words for us so that we will know what a faithful servant looks like and so that we'll know what a faithful church looks like, what a faithful, born-again church member looks like. For that reason, all Christians will watch their life and their teaching. And for Christians, I would, I would say this. Ask yourself, what am I like? Am I consistent in my walk for Jesus? I didn't say, were you perfect and never made a mistake because that would not be biblical. But are you consistent in your walk for Jesus? How how is your speech? How is your conduct? How is your love? How is your faith? Your purity? How is my doctrine? Is Is it truly biblical what I believe? Or is my view of Jesus more like the world's view of Jesus? Do I believe what I say I believe? Do I believe it more as time goes on? Being a faithful servant is more than just saying that you believe. It's about living out the implications of the truth you're proclaiming. It's about practicing the things you're proclaiming. It's about showing that you believe so strongly in what you're saying 
that you're willing to shape your life around that. You're willing to take your life and shape it around that. It's about showing that you believe that so strongly that you will just take your life and you'll shape it around that. And here's the question I have for you in closing. How can you work for the Lord if you aren't walking with the Lord? How many of you would agree that all believers need to be working for Jesus? How can you work for Jesus if you're not walking with Jesus? If you've trusted in Christ, you're on His team. You are in the ministry. Not vocationally as I am, but as a servant. You are as responsible as I am before God to fulfill your ministry. Listen to me. One day, I will give an account for what I've done as a pastor. Are you listening? But so will Nobody gets a pass on that. Not being judged for your salvation, but you will give an account for your ministry. Remember the story of the talents? Use them. When the master came back, what did he say? Oh, that's okay. I knew you didn't have time. That's okay. You're responsible to fulfill God's Ministry in your life. To do it, you have to pay attention to your walk with Christ. That's the foundation. And pay attention to your work for Him as well. So let's pray.